Good evening. Uh, last week, Pastor Vic uh, taught about the mortification of the flesh, uh, putting the flesh to death, and I told him that he st- stole part of my sermon. Uh, so he said, expand on it. So I will. Uh, and then uh, when I heard uh, uh, Brother Mark Saylor uh, preach this morning, I thought, wow, that title of that uh, sermon sounds, uh, sounds really great, uh, Persistent Faith. And uh, I thought, well, maybe I should call this uh, Consistent Faith. So you'll see uh, what I'm talking about here soon. Um, this is my second time preaching, and I feel very inadequate as I look out and I see uh, uh, almost all of you are uh, very good Bible students, uh, preachers, uh, like... Uh, Reverend March and uh, Dr. Chip Chase. Uh, so I feel very inadequate, uh, but I, um, even though I, I feel I have nothing to say, uh, God has a lot to say, so uh, the only thing I can do is uh, preach His Word. So uh, please pray for me that I will do that effectively. Uh, let's bow our heads and ask God's uh, help uh, for me. Lord, we... Thank you for your awesome power and uh, your glory. We thank you for uh, your grace and your mercy. Um, You are such an awesome God. And we thank you for your word. Lord, please help me now to uh, teach it clearly and help us all to hear it and then to uh, apply it to our lives and live it out. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, we can see that uh, we all know that we were saved by grace uh, through faith in Jesus Christ, and now let us live by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, let's start by looking at our salvation. Uh, and, and I thought, you know, should I really spend that much time on salvation? Because probably everyone in this auditorium, I'm guessing, looking out here, uh, is saved and uh, has known the Lord for quite some time. Uh, but I was really amazed when Pastor said how many people are watching us on the internet now. And so maybe there's someone uh, watching who doesn't know Jesus Christ. So uh, we will go into salvation a, l- uh, a little bit deeper uh, than maybe normally. And uh, for me, when I hear the gospel preached, even though I've known the Lord for many, many years, uh, I get excited uh, to hear that, that clear gospel message. So I hope you can rejoice with me uh, as you hear it. So my, my question is, let's see if I can get this thing to work. Are we saved by faith? Think about that. <laughs> Are we saved by faith? My answer to that would be no. And the reason I would say that is uh, that faith itself isn't what saves us. uh, Because faith cannot save anyone, no matter how genuine it is, uh, faith cannot save us. Uh, So what does save us? Yes, we're saved by grace uh, through faith in Jesus Christ. So ultimately, it's Jesus Christ uh, who saves us. Uh, So the question uh, really should be not what saves us, but who saves us, uh, because it's Jesus. 
Um, and let's look at some verses here. Uh, Acts 16, 31, uh, they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Jesus saved us. Uh, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, we're saved by Jesus. Romans 10, 9, That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, uh, you shall be saved. Jesus saves us. And then Acts 4.12, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. So Jesus saves us. Faith doesn't save us. Faith in Jesus uh, is important because it's Jesus who saves us. Um, and what is the essence of salvation. I've thought about this for a long time and, and have, um, have come to my own conclusion of uh, what this is. Um, in helping to answer that question, uh, we should ask, from what are we saved? Um, well, we're saved from sin, uh, and we can see that uh, in, in Matthew 1, talking about Mary, uh, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And of course, uh, sin uh, has some wages to it. Uh, so the wages of sin is death, uh, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus. So what is the opposite of death? Life. If we look at the scriptures, uh, we see a lot about uh, eternal life and being born again where we're given new life, uh, spiritual life. So what is the essence of salvation? The essence of salvation is life in Jesus Christ. Not necessarily the forgiveness of our sins, although we certainly get that, but it's life, new life. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, and Jesus gave us new life. And so we see that in Ephesians 2, 1 through 7, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, my emphasis there, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up to new life with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus." And then we can also see in uh, 1 John 5, 11 through 12, and th the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. Uh, so we see that the essence of Christianity, uh, the essence of our salvation uh, is life in Jesus Christ. We were spiritually dead and we've been made alive in Jesus Christ. Our life is in Christ, and Christ is our life. 
I love this verse. Colossians 3, 3 through 4, two verses here. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. And wow, what an amazing thought. Christ is our life. Uh, John 15 talks about the vine and the branches. Uh, life is in the vine, not in the branches. So uh, the branches get their life from the vine, and the moment you take that branch off of the vine, like this one I took off of uh, our, a tree in our backyard yesterday, uh, it dies pretty quickly. Um, this one actually wasn't so totally healthy anyway, but it looked a lot better than it does now uh, when I pulled it off of the tree yesterday. Um, and so when we, when we uh, take a, a branch off of a vine or a tree, um, it loses its life. And in the same way, uh, we must stay connected to Jesus because he is the vine, we are the branches, and we get all of our sustenance, all of our life uh, from him. So salvation is all about life in Jesus Christ. Uh, salvation is not from us, and, and it's not of us. It is the gift of God, God's grace, uh, which is undeserved favor, and so we see uh, we were saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It's the object of our faith uh, that's important there. Um, so what is our part in salvation? If we look at these three words, grace, faith, and Christ, well, you could say faith is our part. That's what we bring to the table. But if we look at Ephesians 2.8 uh, with a, a proper interpretation, um, then we see that even the faith that we have is not what we bring, but it's the gift of God too. So Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Um, I uh, was looking for some uh, commentary on this, and uh, the best one I found was actually on the internet uh, from Ligonier, uh, ministries, which is, uh, was R.C. Sproul's uh, ministry, which is still alive and well. Um, and this quote from there, I'm not sure who wrote it. I couldn't find the author, but uh, I, I trust Ligonier quite, quite a bit. Uh, so here's the quote. Of course, faith is something that we exercise, and so some Christians think we bring this to the table when we are saved. They think we work up faith, we work faith up in ourselves, and that all people are born with the ability to do so. Ephesians 2.8 makes this view impossible. The grammatical gender of the demonstrative this, in this is not your own doing, must refer back to the entire complex of things Paul mentions in the verse, salvation, grace, and faith. It is true that we are the ones who put our faith in Christ, but God gives us this faith. So if you uh, do not know that you have eternal life, if you don't know that you would go to heaven if you died tonight, but you want eternal life through Jesus Christ, all it takes is the simple act of faith. Uh, simple, but not easy. Um, and so here's, here's the gospel message to you, to you who are on the internet looking. Uh, the basic gospel message. First, before you can come to God, uh, you need to acknowledge who you are, which is a totally depraved sinner. 
and confessing to God uh, that you are helpless. You're a totally helpless sinner, and uh, it's impossible for you to come to him. Um, don't sugarcoat it. Confess to God. Tell him that you understand how wicked you are, uh, because if you don't see yourself this way, you can't be saved. Uh, James 4, 6 uh, says that God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourself first and realize who you are, which is nothing uh, but a wicked sinner. And then 1 John 1, 8 and 9, uh, and I realize a lot of, uh, a lot of believers uh, think that this is for uh, believers. Uh, Pastor Vic uh, is one, and I'm another, uh, who actually believe this is uh, a salvation verse. Uh, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So first, acknowledge uh, what a terrible sinner you are. Uh, next, though, second, you must believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that Jesus is God, that he lived a perfect sinless life, which was necessary for him uh, to be the perfect sacrifice, uh, and that he offered himself as that perfect sacrifice. Dying in your place was the propitiation for your sins, and he took your punishment upon himself, paying the price for your sins. So, uh, if we have uh, all of our sins written down in this book, which would not begin to... Uh, uh, hold all of my sins, uh, but we would have thousands of sins in this book. And uh, in Isaiah 53, we'll go ahead and pull that up here. In Isaiah 53, uh, it says that Jesus was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. So Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, had no sin was carrying no sin. I have all this sin. And God says in Isaiah, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. The great exchange. God took all of our sin and put it on Jesus. And so Jesus traded us his righteousness for our sin. And that's quite amazing. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that uh, God made him who knew no sin to be sin uh, on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God. And uh, what amazing love he demonstrated toward us in this. Uh, Romans 5.8 tells us that God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, oh, I'm way ahead here. There we go. Uh, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So God loves you and died in your place so that you can live forever with him. He bore your sins on the cross so that he could remove them from you forever. Uh, maybe you've been confessing your sins to God or to a priest, asking forgiveness over and over because you feel guilty. Uh, you've feel cleansed after your confession, and then you sin, and you feel guilty again. 
Uh, This is what the Jews did and still do under the Old Covenant. And they knew that their confession and their sacrifices only temporarily covered their sin. And so they needed to keep sacrificing over and over again. And you saw this next verse that I had up here, a, a long passage. And I will go ahead and read this because this is one of the greatest passages in the scripture telling us Uh, what Jesus did and his sacrifice, the completeness of it. So Hebrews chapter 10, 1 through 17, for the law, since it only has, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things, can never by the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they have not ceased to be offered? Because the worshipers having once been cleansed, would no longer have had consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins year by year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come, in the scroll of the book it is written of me, to do your will, O God. After saying above, sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have not desired, nor have you taken pleasure in them which are offered according to the law. Okay, what's going on here? Okay. Uh, Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But he, that is Jesus, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting for that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us after, saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws upon their heart, And on their mind, I will write them. He then says, And their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Wow, that is a great, great uh, series of verses there. Uh, Jesus has taken our sin and perfected us once for all, sanctified us um, forever. So what what is necessary to receive eternal life? Confess your sins to God. Confess that you're a totally helpless sinner and unable to save yourself. Number two, believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he is God, and that he died on the cross to pay your sins, pay for your sins in full, and take them away forever. And that he gives you his righteousness, and that God resurrected him after three days in the grave, and that Jesus lives forever and will give you eternal life through himself. So simply believing those facts, will that give a person eternal life? If it's simple intellectual assent, uh, we would say no. 
because faith is more than that. So we must put our complete trust in Jesus to save us. Um, each person must do that. It is not enough to believe them intellectually. Uh, I must believe that Jesus can save me, and I must trust him uh, to do that. I must depend on him. So the Greek words for faith and believe are pistis and pistuo, um, and uh, pistis is the noun form, which we would translate faith, pistuo, the, ver the uh, verb form, which we translate as believe. Uh, looking this up in the, uh, the most used and trusted uh, Greek lexicon, uh, it says that pistuo means to entrust oneself to an entity in complete confidence, believe in, trust. And so we've all seen this chair illustration, but uh, it, it never gets too old for me. So I can believe that this chair has the ability to hold me, um, but am I pistuo? Am I actually entrusting this chair to hold me right now? No. Uh, the only way I can do that, of course, is to sit in the chair, and now I'm trusting this chair. And that's what those uh, Greek words, pistis and pistuo, mean. Uh, not simply intellectual assent, but actually trusting Christ to save us. So that's what you would need to do. So now we will go on from salvation. Uh, faith uh, in Jesus Christ produces our salvation. And now that we understand what that is, let's moving on, move on to living our Christian lives by faith, uh, which is really the point of the sermon. So as pastor sometimes says, a long introduction and a short message. Uh, so we understand the saving faith and that living uh, by our own efforts will not get us to heaven. But living by our own efforts is like living by the law, and we become uh, dependent on our own works, not dependent on Christ. Uh, we would often call that legalism. Uh, so uh, I see four levels of legalism. First level, uh, depending on good works or following laws or rules, uh, to save you. So this would be like uh, non-Christian religions, maybe a Buddhist or some other non-Christian religion trying to do good to get themselves to heaven. Uh, a second level would be depending on Jesus Christ and good works uh, or following laws and rules for salvation. So Christ plus good works. And that would be like Roman Catholics uh, whose doctrine uh, clearly states that. A third level of legalism would be depending on Christ alone for salvation, but depending on good works or following laws and rules to keep saved. Uh, so that would be like maybe some Wesleyan Arminian churches uh, who would depend on, on something at least to keep them saved uh, other than God. And then our fourth level of legalism uh, could maybe include some of us at times, um, and that would be, depending on Christ alone for salvation and for our eternal security, uh, but depending on good works or following laws to live the Christian life uh, for sanctification, for fellowship. Uh, and I'm sure there are many evangelical believers that, uh, that do that always, and uh, probably all of us 
would tend to do it at least occasionally, if not more. Uh, we at Redbridge uh, Baptist Church would completely reject those first three levels of legalism, uh, but let's address this fourth level uh, and ask yourself, am I living my Christian life by depending on myself, my own effort, trying to be good, or am I living my Christian life in total dependence on Jesus Christ? Let's all humble ourselves, and don't be quick to, too quick to answer that. Uh, I'm speaking to myself, too, here. Um, are there times when we are depending on our own efforts and trying to do good to please God uh, without depending on Him? Let's look at Galatians 3. Galatians 3.3 3. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? So living by faith is living moment by moment in total dependence on Jesus Christ. Uh, when we live in total dependence on Jesus, He lives His life in and through us. Now that's an amazing thought. Uh, does Jesus live in you? Okay, so yes, the Holy Spirit indwells you. Uh, we are talking about the creator of the universe uh, living inside of you. And he wants to live his life in and through you. Uh, he wants to help you with every detail of your life. Uh, John 14, 16 through 17. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever, that in the spirit of truth, um, that is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. So that was Jesus talking, of course, uh, before uh, his crucifixion and resurrection. Uh, so Jesus, the Holy Spirit, which are, of course, uh, both God, uh, is in us, and we are in him. Uh, in Ephesians, uh, we read over and over the words, in Christ. Uh, we are in Christ. And many places uh, in the scripture, it says that Christ is in us, or the Holy Spirit is in us. Um, and let's remember uh, Colossians 3, 4 that we read a little while ago. Christ is our life. Um, another way of saying live by faith or total dependence on Jesus is walk by the Spirit. So in Galatians 5, 16 through 25, we know this as uh, the passage regarding uh, the fruit of the Spirit. And Paul says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, that is, we are made alive in Christ at salvation, we're born again. Let us also walk by the Spirit um, as we live our Christian lives. I think I had that here. No, that's my next one, but we'll get, leave that up. Uh, so living by faith in Christ uh, would equal, uh, living in faith, total dependence on Christ, would equal walking by the Spirit, which would also equal abiding in Christ, as we see in John 15. And so let's read a little bit of John 15, uh, verses 4 and 5. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of, of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So we are simply fruit hangers. Jesus is the vine, we're the branches, and the fruit that comes out of our lives is produced by Jesus, not by us. Uh, so I, I remember uh, many, many years ago uh, hearing in a, uh, a not-so-great church uh, how to develop the fruit of the Spirit in your life, and, uh, except they said fruits of the Spirit, and how you're going to work on these different areas. But that's not what this is saying at all. This is saying walk in the Spirit, and this fruit will come out of you. Uh, it, it will be natural for it to come out of your life as we abide in him, as we walk in the Spirit and living by faith. Uh, so as we used the chair illustration uh, to show total dependence on Christ for salvation, let's use the same illustration to show total dependence on Christ for living our Christian life. When I sat in that chair, when I sit in that chair, I am 100% confident on that, in that chair to hold me up. I am doing nothing to hold me up, and that is exactly what salvation is. It's all Jesus. Uh, but that's what the Christian life should be, too. I should be depending on Christ to do everything in me. Uh, so he's doing it through me. He's doing the work, not me. Philippians 2:13 for it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So how do we do that? How do we actually do that? Let's think about uh, the Syrophoenician woman that we studied this morning in Matthew 15. Uh, Brother Mark Saylor gave us a great sermon on this woman's persistent faith. Uh, what, she, what did she do to exercise her faith. Mark, what did she do to exercise her faith? She cried out. She cried out to God. Not just once. She cried out to God uh, in a persistent way over and over. Uh, so when we are in desperate circumstances, what do we do to exercise our faith? What's the natural thing that we all do when things get really bad. Help, God. Help me, God. I need your help. Uh, even if for the previous three days we didn't say hello to God. 
We're ready to call out to him and say, God, oh God, I need you, right? Because we feel helpless, totally helpless. So that's the natural thing we do to exercise our faith. Uh, when the disciples were in the boat and the storm came, what did they do? Help me, help me, Jesus, I need you. Let's uh, read that. Matthew 8, 23 through 27. When he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being covered with the waves. But Jesus himself was asleep. And they came to him and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. He said to them, Why are you afraid, you men of little faith? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and it became perfectly calm. The men were amazed and said, What kind of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? So we see that dependence on Christ is wrapped up in prayer. Because if we see that we can't do something, we feel helpless, then we call out to God. But shouldn't it be not only when we're in desperate circumstances? Uh, do we really think we can handle all those little things in life as we go along through our day? Um, hundreds of things every day. Do we really think we can handle everything? Uh, well, if you're like me, um, I probably way too often, maybe you're not as bad as me at this, but uh, I way too often uh, just am living my life, going on, doing all my things, and then maybe an hour later, I realize I haven't even talked to God in the last hour. I haven't said hi. Um, and yet, uh, I was doing things. So, why should I wait for those desperate circumstances? Why not ask God every moment of every day uh, to help me? So, when uh, Paul said, pray without ceasing, I think he actually meant it. I think he actually meant it. So, that was uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without ceasing. So, if we can go an hour or two in a day without even thinking about God hardly and without talking to him? Uh, are we really depending on Jesus? I would say for myself, probably not. Um, if Jesus was here in the flesh and he was right beside you all day long, walking right alongside you, um, do you think you would go an hour or two without even talking to him? Probably not. I think we would all be talking to him. Um, so why is it any different now? Because he's here. He's in you. Uh, sometimes I, um, I think, I've, I've, I've really thought about this a lot in the last couple of years. I've thought, what, what would it be like if Jesus were actually walking around with me every day? And so sometimes when I talk to God, I'm driving along in my car. Uh, I talk to God probably more while I'm in my car than any other time because I'm in my car a lot. And uh, and I picture Jesus just sitting right next to me, and I'll talk to him. Um, that helps me maybe to just be reminded that he's with me. So uh, this constant prayer is uh, crucial if we're going to depend on Christ moment by moment. And remember John fifteen five uh, that you can do nothing without him. 
We're just about done here. Uh, my favorite verse in the Bible, possibly, uh, and one of the key verses for this, I saved it for last, is Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. And this is really, in a nutshell, what we're talking about tonight. Um, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And this life that I am living now, I must live in total dependence on him. Um, did you ever hear the phrase, let go and let God? It's, it's been criticized by some great Bible teachers, uh, but maybe there's actually a lot of truth to that. Let go, stop trying, and let God. Um, so let's stop trying so hard, and let's depend more on Jesus. That doesn't mean that we won't physically and mentally be doing things, but it does mean that we will be constantly asking for God's help in everything that we do. Uh, he's going to work through us. Uh, but then it's not us doing but it's actually Jesus doing through us. So, now let's live the same way that we were saved. Uh, the slide earlier said uh, that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So my brothers and sisters in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, let's do the same thing with our living every day. Uh, let's purposely uh, live by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And if we do that, then Jesus will live in and through us. And who gets all the glory when that happens? Yeah, God gets all the glory. So, and that's, that's what we want, is for him to be glorified. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for these uh, great truths in your scripture uh, that teach us how awesome and wonderful you are and that you live in us. Father, please help us to depend on your son Jesus at every moment of every day as we continue to live our lives and give you all of the glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.